In Acts chapter one, beginning in verse four, uh, Luke records these words about the beginning of the church. And I wanna read them to you this morning. This is God's word to you today. Acts chapter one, verses four through eight. Once when Jesus was eating with his disciples, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. This is God's word to you today. You guys can be seated, thank you. This is a day, New City, that I have been looking forward to for so many years. We're welcoming our friends and our new partners, uh, Compassion International, and I can't wait to introduce them to you. And you're gonna hear a story today uh, from a Compassion-sponsored child who has grown up and made much of the name of Jesus and his life, and he's gonna share his story with you. But before we get there, I wanted to just frame up a little bit as we think about how we engage the world, doing what Jesus told his disciples to do, to be a witness for him, not only here in Jerusalem, uh, in Judea, Samaria, near, to use that language, but to the ends of the earth, far from here. What does that look like for New City? I wanna spend just a couple of minutes talking about that, and then I wanna introduce you to our friends from Compassion International that are with us today, again, as our new partners in thinking about how we are a witness to Jesus um, globally. So in this text, this is the final conversation that Jesus has with his disciples, right? He's been with them, the text set, tells us in chapter one of Acts, over 40 days since his resurrection, he's been coming and going uh, from them, appearing to them. So let's just get our mind around that. He's been having meals with them, giving them evidence and proof of his resurrection, which by the way, we'll celebrate four Sundays from today. And over those 40 days, he's having conversations with them, Acts chapter one, verse three, about the kingdom of God. That's his subject, to remind them that his kingdom has come on earth. And as people turn their hearts to Jesus, the kingdom comes in their life. And I want you to pay attention to something here, again, in context. This is the very final conversation that Jesus has with his core disciples, the apostles here. And they ask him in verse 6, Acts chapter 1, Jesus, has the time come for you to restore Israel and our kingdom? And I just imagine, I don't know what Jesus, because Jesus ascends after this into heaven, and I don't know what his ascension exactly looked like. We'll see it maybe when we get to heaven. We can rent that movie and watch it. But I just imagine Jesus on his way into heaven, just like, I, I've been with these guys for so many years. And the very final question they're asking me is a power grab question. 
Am I going to get power? Are you going to restore Israel? And by restoring Israel, we're going to be a political entity and we're going to get positions of power in your cabinet, Jesus. And we're going to sit on thrones with you and rule and reign over an earthly kingdom. And Jesus has to reorient them. Go read it for yourself, Acts chapter 1. He has to reorient them back to what he always has been saying. The kingdom of heaven is near. And it's not a political kingdom, it's a spiritual kingdom. And as hearts are turned and repent back to Jesus, the kingdom of heaven comes. And it has come. And now you're going to be a witness of that kingdom to other people, not just here in Jerusalem, but in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus says, we're going to start, let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8 specifically. He says, we're going to start right here where we are in Jerusalem, right here in this city. You're going to start being a witness for me. And then he says in Judea and Samaria, which was, if you look at a map, it was the surrounding area. So it's like Charlotte, Charlotte Mecklenburg. It's an 11 county area around our city. You're going to go to that space. And then you're going to go even to the ends of the earth, which for them at that time was Rome. And by the end of the first century, the gospel had spread to Rome and churches were established there. So they were carrying that out and being a faithful witness. But I want you to see something. In verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, the disciples are all about getting what? Starts with a P. Power. We want power with you, Jesus. As you establish your earthly kingdom, a political entity, we want power with you to rule and to reign. And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the time that, that my kingdom will be established fully here on earth. In other words, heaven comes to earth in a real way, you know, as Jesus establishes his kingdom here on earth. That day is coming. But he says, this is a spiritual kingdom that I brought. As hearts turn to me, every person on the planet knows me. As they follow me, the kingdom will come in their hearts. And you're meant to be a witness to that type of kingdom. And so Jesus reorients them from saying, I want power to you're going to receive power from where? Look at verse 8. From the Holy Spirit. So God himself is going to come and dwell you and give you power to be my witness to other people. That spiritual kingdom as hearts, uh, the hearts of men and women and children across the world turn back to me. The kingdom will come to them. And that's what I'm giving you power for. And the word there, by the way, for power in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is dynamite in the Greek. It's where we get our English word dynamite. You're going to get that type of explosive power to be a witness to people here, near, and far. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. To put it in our vernacular, everybody watching this, our mission as a church is to help people find and follow Jesus. I mean, that's our way of talking about the kingdom coming to earth as hearts are reoriented to Jesus. And they find him and they follow him and the kingdom comes in their life in the spiritual realm. And we're meant to do that according to Jesus here. His final words, guys. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you're going to be my witness in my power through the power of the Holy Spirit here, near, and far. That's our way of talking about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, that you're meant to be a witness for me right where you are, around where you are, and even to the ends of the earth. And so I want to talk about that for just a minute because as we introduce our friends' compassion and they, they enter into partnership with us to, to be about this, to be a witness for Jesus here, near, and far. I want to just orient us as a church about what that means. And I'm going to talk more about this in the fall. We're going to do a vision series as a church, so I'll share more about this. But today, I want to talk about what that looks like specifically to the ends of the earth. What does it look like in the, in the far bucket, if you will, to be a witness for Jesus? 
to help reorient people back to the kingdom and help people to find and follow Jesus in places that many of us will never go with people who we may never meet until we get into the kingdom. And what Jesus does here for his disciples and for each of us is to, again, reorient us, or to use another word, to focus us on what matters most. And what matters most is not what the disciples think matters most. What matters most is the kingdom of God. And men and women and children just like you reorienting themselves back to the kingdom of God through a relationship with Jesus. What matters most is people who have found Jesus helping other people to find and to follow Jesus. And so that's what Jesus focuses his disciples on. And that's what we want to be focused on. And we think about that word focus. It's a really important word. And I want to share as we focus on the main thing and keeping the main thing the main thing, which is being a witness for Jesus, helping people to find and follow Jesus here near and far. How do we do that? Specifically in the far bucket, in the global you know, bucket, in the ends of the earth realm that Jesus talked about here. And I just want to mention three things to you. And again, this fall I'm going to share more about this. But today, as we introduce a new partner, I want you to know how compassion fits into what God is doing at New City and how he's led us strategically to be a witness for Jesus in the global realm. And first of all, I want you to know that we're focusing, to use that word, on a, on a specific geography. And I think this is really important. So Jesus talks about geography here, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And it's important for us as a church to focus on a specific geography. Now, we have historic partners, and some of you are in here, all over the world. And we'll continue in those partnerships. And we want to have our hand in what God is doing all over the world. But we think it's really important today and going forward to focus on a specific area of the world. And so our area of focus in the years to come is going to be East Africa. And you say, why East Africa? Well, there's multiple reasons, but I just want to share quickly with you today. One of those reasons is because of the explosive growth being experienced on the continent of Africa. Some of you may not realize this, but in uh, the next 25 years, by 2050, one in four people in the world will be African. The continent of Africa is exploding in population. As North American population plateaus, as European population declines, there's areas of the world, including Africa, more than any other continent, exploding in growth. So much that 25% of people in the world will be African by the year 2050. Now, what does God love most? Just to stop there for a second. People. God loves people most. More than any other thing, God loves people. They're the crown of his creation. He made every one of them in his image and made every one of them to experience a real lasting eternal relationship with him, bringing the kingdom of heaven to them. So, of course, we're going to look at a space, a geography, as we focus on that, where people are and where the population is exploding in the generation to come and be a part of that. But not only that, as we think about East Africa, places like Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, Tanzania, when we think about East Africa, you need to also know that over the last century, God's been doing incredible things in East Africa. In sub-Sahara Africa, we've experienced, they've experienced six, a 6,000% increase, which is hard to get your even head around, in Christianity. People turning their hearts to Jesus. The kingdom of heaven coming to them as people uh, find Jesus and follow after him. There's no other place on the planet that has experienced this type of growth in the last century and people uh, turning to Jesus than sub-Sahara Africa. So think about this. The population is exploding in the next 25 years and the next generation. And already in the last 100 years, we've seen over half a billion people turn their hearts to Jesus. 
and there's a scarcity of churches and pastors and organizations working there to minister to the people that have already turned to Jesus and the many, many more people in the next years that will be born and grow up in East Africa. So for us, we want to focus on East Africa because more and more people uh, are being born there and there's so many people there that their hearts to Jesus, and there's such a dearth of local churches and ministries to minister to those people. So that's why we're focusing on that ge- geography. So I want to be clear, we'll still have partnerships with, with people around the world, but we want to focus on a specific area to pray for that people group, to know what's going on there, to understand the countries, to understand the problems and the issues, and to go deep with a group of people rather than being spread so thin all over the world. So East Africa for us. Second area of focus is the local church. Now we are a local church, of course, and we believe in the power of the local church. Not because the local church, everyone hear me, not because the local church is perfect, it's not. You know, as I've said, we'll lead the parade on brokenness New City Church. But if you find a church that's perfect, as you've heard me say, don't join it because you'll break it. You'll ruin it. There is no perfect church, by the way, because there are no perfect people. And the church isn't a building. It's not a logo. The church is a people group, a gathering of people who call Jesus Savior and Lord. That's the church. And churches come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. But this is what I can tell you about every church on the planet, every gathering happening today, whether it's two people gathered in the name of Jesus or 2,000 people gathered in the name of Jesus. It's broken because it's broken people. But God still chooses to use broken people like us to bring his perfect message to other people. God still chooses to use broken people like us, aren't you glad, to be his witness here, near, and far. And so the local church in that way is the hope of the world. Not because of the name of the church or the people, but because of the message that they carry, the gospel of Jesus. And God wanted his people to tell other people about himself. So God uses his people to share his purposes with all people. And so the local church has to be the centerpiece of how we're going to be his witnesses here, near, and far. So that's true here in Charlotte-Mecklenburg. It's true around here. It's true in East Africa and all over the world that the church has to be the centerpiece. Nothing can out-local the local church. Just can't. Indigenous leaders, indigenous people who love the Lord, who understand the scriptures, helping other people in their area, knowing the problems of that area, knowing the people, sharing Jesus with them. That's how God designed this. And that's why Christianity has exploded over the last 2,000 years, is it's a person-to-person relationship. People telling other people, as Martin Luther said, one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. And that's the power of the church. So we want to focus on the local church. And here at New City and, 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 and the Charlotte-Mecklenburg area, but around the world, making the local church the hero because it carries the story of Jesus. Not because of the church, but because of the message that it carries in the gospel. And then here's the third thing. We want to focus on the whole person. Well, what does that mean? It means that if you're hungry, it's hard to tell somebody about Jesus. It, it, it means that you need, if you need medical care and I'm just, all I'm concerned about is your soul and I'm not concerned about getting you medical care, there's something lacking there. And that's not just Chris talking. This is the message of Jesus. Jesus was a preacher, a teacher, and a healer. He had a threefold ministry. That's what Matthew tells us. A third of Jesus' ministry was health care for those of you who are health care professionals. He cared deeply about people that had illnesses and ailments and all kinds of things. Did he heal everybody? No, but he healed a whole lot of people as a physical manifestation of the power of the gospel. 
And so for us as a church, we have to think holistically about not just the spiritual needs of people, of course we're emphasizing that, but also the physical needs of people. Uh, the lack of education, lack of access to medical care, um, you know, lack of access to food and water and all kinds of different things that help people in their life to achieve the purposes that God has for them. So I brought just a little, um, if you're a visual person to think about this, you know, here in Charlotte and around here, you know, we, we want the church to be the centerpiece and think about the whole person and, and share the message of the gospel in specific spaces. And so the way that happens for us here at New City is through our congregations and our partnerships with other churches locally and surrounding ourselves with partners you know, that are doing the work of holistic ministry with people, whether it's education, foster care, you know, tutoring, all kinds of different things that we're doing uh, to care for the pain and the different specific things in our city that need addressing on top of addressing the spiritual needs of our city. But globally, it's the same way. You know, to put the center, uh, at the center of the local church and the power of the gospel through a local church. And we put the Timothy Initiative there, which I'm going to share more with you about our partnership with the Timothy Initiative. But the Timothy Initiative is probably one of the most prolific organizations in the world right now planting indigenous local churches. And so we're partnering with them to plant our prayer thousands of churches in East Africa in the years to come. And we'll talk more about that. Now, when I say churches in an African context, most of those churches are 10 to 20 people in their house churches. So in our context, a lot of, a lot of times we would talk about that as a community group. But in the early church, that was the church with house churches. And mostly, not always, but mostly in the African context, a house church, 10 to 20 people, is a local church with a trained pastor that's being developed and mentored and encouraged. And this is what the Timothy Initiative does. And I, I can't wait to tell you more about that. But we want to plant thousands of churches in East Africa and surround them with organizations, both historic partners and new partners like Compassion Today, that are addressing the whole needs of people, whether it's medicine, education, food, shelter, clothing, to say, hey, we care about your spiritual needs, but we also care that you're hungry, that you're sick, that you need, uh, that you need help in your extreme poverty in different areas of your, of your life and your world that we want to enter into holistically, just like we do here. So that brings me to Compassion. Some of you are familiar with Compassion International. They've been around for 70 years doing incredible work. They've rescued over 6 million kids from extreme poverty. There are 2.5 million kids across the world right now that are sponsored through Compassion. Um, we've got one of them who came through their program who's going to share his story with you today, um, Owen. Uh, Gathanga is from Nairobi, Kenya. He's going to share his story with you in just a moment. He's the proof, really, of, of the work of Compassion. What you need to know about Compassion and our partnership with Compassion is everything from Compassion is centered on the local church. And I've seen this with my own eyes. I was in Rwanda and Uganda and Kenya in 2016 with Compassion. And every single place that we went, I never saw the name of Compassion. I never saw a sign for Compassion. I never saw a t-shirt. I never saw anything with Compassion's name on it. It was all about the local church. And those pastors and leaders in all those different villages and places that we went, they were the quote-unquote heroes, sharing the message of Jesus and helping meet real needs of kids that were facing extreme poverty. And you need to know that one of the reasons why we're partnering with Compassion is Compassion only works in countries and in areas of extreme poverty. There's poverty all over the world, including in our own city. 
but in extreme poverty. If you've ever been in those places, you know the difference between poverty and extreme poverty. You can see it, you can taste it, you can feel it, you can smell it. If you've been there, you understand what I'm talking about. And so Compassion works in 29 different countries with kids that are facing extreme poverty. And so I, I wanna introduce them to you today by you hearing Owen's story. And you know, just understanding from one kid of six million that have been sponsored over the last 70 years and 2.5 million that are being sponsored right now, of how the church is the centerpiece and they're addressing not only physical needs but spiritual needs and literally rescuing kids from poverty, extreme poverty, to be able to fulfill you know, God's purposes for their life. So would you join me in giving a warm New City welcome to Owen Gathanga. All right, man. Thanks, bro. Do you want the podium? Sure. Right. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So my name is Owen Gitanga, and uh, I live in Colorado Springs. And uh, I think you can tell I am not Coloradan. <laughs> so I have a story, uh, the journey to you know, to today, and started off in Nairobi, Kenya, when I was a little boy, and, you know, I had a dream, just like every other little boy. My dream, though, was a little bit different. You know, I never wanted to become a doctor or a lawyer or a pilot, but for some awesome reason, I always wanted to become an accountant. <laughs> but I found out that for that to happen, a lot of things would have happened, you know, would have had to happen because of the family that I was born in. And being born in a family of three boys and my mom as a sole breadwinner, making about five to ten dollars a month, my dream was uh, impossible. You know, I grew up in object poverty, the kind of poverty that it just, it's not just how it looks, it's also how it smells. You know, grow up in a home where five to ten dollars a month wouldn't put a f plate of food a day. So many nights we went to bed hungry, and if you've ever gone for a day without food, you become desperate. You would do absolutely anything just to get food in your stomach. And, you know, that's what pushed me to going and knocking on people's doors, begging for food. And it wasn't a very good experience because... These people were just tired of seeing my face over and over again. And so when I knocked on the door one more time, a lot of times they shut the door on my face. And a few times they let me in, they humiliated me. But I couldn't walk away because I didn't like what they told me. I had to stay because I needed the food. Otherwise, I was going to starve. And we didn't have taps or faucets that you would get clean, cold or hot water. The only source of water that we had came from this river that had its source in a slaughterhouse. And by the time it got to where we lived, the color of the water in this river was brownish, greenish in color. We had to go get that water, take it home, and boil it. See, brown water doesn't taste good. It doesn't matter how many times you boil it. But that's kind of what we had to work with. And because of having to drink dirty water and, you know, sometimes go dig through trash to be able to get food to eat. I was often sick and that was the other problem is 
my mom would not afford to be able to take us to hospital. So she always told us that, just hope you're going, you know, just hope you never get sick bad enough that you need to go to a hospital because she couldn't be able to take us. They would not be able to take us because we didn't have money or insurance. And she told me this story that when I was about one year old, there was a huge measles outbreak that ended up taking the lives of so many babies. And she told me that that night, she held me. And every minute that passed by, she couldn't take me to a hospital. And she looked at me. She, she didn't think I would make it through the end of the night. And as a parent, that just blows my mind her holding me and hoping that I was going to be fine. But by the grace of God, I survived just like so many other times in my life. And I mean, poverty is bad. I would never wish poverty on anybody. But the absolute devastating worst thing about poverty is the hopelessness that comes from poverty. It's when people looked at me straight in the eyes and told me that I am worth less. And they were very quick to point towards my lineage, you know, because I came from a family that was trapped in this generational cycle of poverty that no one seemed to break out of. And, you know, when they asked me this question that we love to ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always responded with a smile in my face that I want to become an accountant. But it's what they told me that really wiped the smile out of my face and crushed the little hopes that I still had because they told me, don't waste your time dreaming because none of your dreams will ever come true. Kind of words that just crush you. So I thought that was going to be my life. I was born poor. I was going to live poor and I was going to die poor. And that would be the end of my story. Nobody would ever get to hear my story but God. But God had a different story for my life. Because when I was eight years old, an announcement went on in my city about this church, Redeemed Gospel Church that they were registering kids to help them. I had no idea, I did not connection at that point that that was compassion through Redeemed Gospel Church. And so my mom told me to go get ready and I went, got ready and we went through the doors of this church and me and my mom had no idea that our lives were about to change forever. Went to this church and one of the things that compassion has to do is to make sure that the kids who want to be sponsored really do need the help. And so we filled out questionnaires and home visits, and it didn't take very much convincing that we needed the help. And so I got registered, and one of the first things they did is they took a picture of me, just like this little boy from Uganda whose name happens to be Anxious. And... See, I understand why he probably was named Anxious. His, his parents probably never went to school, and so the name Anxious sounded interesting, so they named him Anxious. Like, I'm anxious? <laughs> so, so they printed out a packet just like, like, just like Anxious today and sent it out to America. And on a Compassion Sunday, just like today, 27 years ago was when I got sponsored because this young man came to the table, looked down, and saw the name of this boy who was named like him. 
So, you know, my sponsor's name was Owen, and so when he saw Owen on the packet, he's like, I'm gonna sponsor this kid. That's how I got sponsored, and you know, one of the things I started to get is I started to get these letters from my sponsor, and you know, they were encouraging, and it was different, you know, and one of the first times I had ever heard the words, I love you, was in this letter that I got from my sponsor, and it just, it just blew my mind. I mean, what are the odds that a guy in Wisconsin would reach out to a boy in Nairobi and tell him for the first time in his life, I love you, and then talk about Jesus, and you know, he would always say, I'm praying for you. That was different. I never had anybody praying for me. But man, when I started to go to this church, that just I was loved on in a way I had never felt before. I mean, these people loved on me. They were warm towards me. And I, I just, there was just, it was different. And then they introduced me to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I kind of connected the dots. Why these people, they just, they exemplify Jesus in the way they loved on me. And it just, it made me, made me want to try their Jesus. Because I kind of wanted what they had. And so I went to the church and I said, you know, I mean, after hearing all this good news about this God who knew me before I was even formed in my mother's womb, I wanted, I wanted to try this Jesus. And said, I've come to accept you, Jesus, because I wanted to see for myself if what they said about this Jesus is really true. And so I made the decision to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that was the best decision I ever made as a kid, was to accept Christ. That was the best gift that compassion gave to me, the gift of Jesus Christ. Because here's the truth. If you don't get anything from what I say today, is that poverty left my life the day Christ came into my life. That if compassion had just given me Jesus and told me to go my way, I would have been just fine. Because when I got Jesus, I got a hope that was way more stronger than the poverty that I faced. That I went, when I knew the truth that was in the word of God was when the truth started to set me free. See, people put a lot of emphasis on the physical aspects of poverty. But poverty is a lot more mental and spiritual than it is physical. Money, while good, can never get rid of poverty. But Jesus can. Because Jesus works from the inside out. But compassion didn't stop at Jesus. They gave me food. They gave me clean water. Took me to hospital every time I got sick. You know, they gave me a skill. And took me to school. I was the first person in my whole family to go past high school. Went on and graduated. Uh, went to college and did my bachelor's degree. And guess what? <laughs> Accounting. <laughs> and... Yeah, and I, sat, you know, did my master's degree and sat for my CPA license. I'm a CPA in America. <laughs> See, I'm an accountant. The one thing they told me not to waste my time dreaming is my reality today. Because 27 years ago, this young man picked out a packet of a boy, and he had no idea 
that my life would turn out the way it did today. Today I stand in front of you representing what compassion does. I have been released from poverty in Jesus' name. This young man who I used to call big bro and he used to call me small bro, my sponsor Owen, on our biggest day about 12 years ago, I got married to the love of my life, which was beautiful, but he was like one of the first people I wanted to call because on our biggest day, he, this guy left a mark in my life. He had no idea that 27 years ago, picking up that packet out of that table would change my life the way it did. And so my sponsor, Owen, was the best man in our wedding. And that's the picture of compassion. You know, and his son, Simon, was a ring bearer. The next picture there is it's a picture of this little boy. And his name is Owen. He's Owen from Nicaragua. And, you know, I thought Owen sponsored Owen. Why doesn't Owen sponsor Owen? And so that's it's one, of the, one of the three kids that we sponsor through compassion. And I cannot wait to see what God will do in his life. I might not make it to be the best man in his wedding, but I'm here to see God do great stuff in his life. And see, the last picture there is, is a picture of my beautiful family, beautiful white crystal and three boys, and we recently have a young, have a little girl. But because 27 years ago, My sponsor, Owen, made a choice to sponsor me through compassion. I got released from poverty. And because I got released from poverty, I was able to go back and take my whole family from poverty. My whole family no longer lives in poverty. But you know what's even awesome? My kids will never go through poverty like I did. Poverty stops with me. And it, it seems very simple. What will these millions of kids trapped in poverty, what will sponsoring one child do? My story. Because I got Jesus at the church. I got to take Jesus to my whole family. My whole family came to know Jesus because I went to that church because this young man picked up my packet and kind of got, got brought my whole story full circle. And, you know, I worked for Compassion for three years as, guess what, as an accountant. <laughs> and as the manager of accounting for our U.S. and global operations. And see, sometimes some organizations look so good on the outside until you look on the inside. That was a pause because, you know, I, I know compassion. They changed my life. I love compassion. We sponsor three kids through compassion. I was like, man, I really hope the books look as good as they look on the outside. But one of the reasons I love compassion even more today, and you can quote me, this is a CPA speaking, I love compassion even more because of their financial integrity. They do what they say they do. I've looked at their books. 
It's for real. And I'm excited today. I'm excited today for anxious. Parents probably didn't know why they named him anxious. But I'm excited because anxious is going to do great things for the kingdom. And I'm excited because of the so many people that will get to know Jesus because of anxious. But I'm also excited because when he gets sponsored through compassion, he gets to stop the generational curse of poverty, not only from his life, but from the generations to come. But because someone sponsored me today, my kids no longer have to live in poverty. So I'm excited for the church and I'm excited for what's going to happen today. And God bless you guys. That's great. Yeah. Great job. Thank you so much, Owen. Thank you. Um, Hopefully more than anything, just hearing Owen's story, you can see why we want to partner with Compassion. And our prayer, obviously, today is that God would move in your heart. We don't want you to do anything other than what God wants you to do in your family. And I do want to just share personally before I have Scott Lemerick come up from Compassion for our family. Part of the reason why we're partnering with Compassion and our journey with Compassion started 14 years ago in 2010. Um, we were at a conference and had a Compassion Day like this and uh, sponsored this little girl. She was three at the time, Namani from Tanzania, from East Africa. And she's 17 now. And we sponsored her for 14 years. And it's been such a journey. Uh, my son Jackson's here on the front row so he can affirm. Um, and our two girls, like just our, our letter writing back and forth, getting to know Namani and her family, her experience in Tanzania and being able to hear from her the difference um, that sponsorship has made for her. This is in a school, her in her school uniform, which, you know, um, as Owen mentioned, you know, he had a chance to go to school for the first time for his family. For most kids that are living in extreme poverty, school is not promised by the government. It's, it's something that you have to pay for. You have to pay for tuition. You have to buy your uniforms. And that becomes a barrier for kids um, to get education, which, again, just keeps kids in the cycle of poverty. So um, it's been such a blessing for us um, to get to know Namani. And I will just say this uh, for, you know, those of you in the room um, with extended family or kids in your house or grandkids, it's been such an incredible way for us as a family to orient ourselves to the reality of extreme poverty in the world because we live in an area where we don't see that on a daily basis. Of course we see poverty in our city and we have many challenges in Charlotte-Mecklenburg, but we don't see extreme poverty at this level. And so for our children to be able to know Namani early in her life and hear her experience has been such a blessing you know, for us to be able to share with them you know, the kingdom and what God is doing in the kingdom around the world and to, to be a witness for him you know, here near and far and to understand you know, the blessing that we have but also the responsibility that we have you know, to help uh, share with others and care for other people. So I just wanna say you know, uh, before Scott comes up, it's uh, compassion and partnering with compassion is such an entree into understanding God's work around the world and his heart for people all over the world. And specifically for our family, it's been an amazing way to, to orient and to teach ourselves the reality of extreme poverty in most people you know, in the world and the heart of Jesus for them. So I'm gonna ask Scott Limerick to come up. Scott is one of my dear friends. We've known each other for 10 years now. Scott's a director with Compassion. And uh, this is a day that we've dreamed about for a while to have Compassion Day here at New City Church. 
And Scott, I wanted to just, before we end today, just talk a little bit more about kind of the nuts and bolts of sponsorship mm. and what that looks like and what sponsorship includes um, and how to do that. So maybe just start with what, what is $43 a month, which is the commitment for sponsoring a child? What does that cover and, and how does that work? Yeah, it, it, it covers some basic things for every child. Um, but it covers more than that if your child has other needs, right? And there's so much thought and theory behind what the $43 a month covers. It's not just a flippant, well, let's just buy them some clothing and feed them. Compassion is not a feeding ministry. Um, we're not a clothing ministry, although we do feed the kids and their family and we do you know, buy them a couple of sets of clothing and, and a pair of shoes that are unbroken, as they say. Um, they may not be new, but they're very lightly used. Most of the time they're new, um, and it's like gold to these kids. Mm -hmm. um, it's not Air Jordans. I told everybody that in first worship. Uh, I can't even afford Air Jordans, but um, <laughs> I wish I could. And I named my son after that guy, right? <laughs> but, um, but here's what we've learned. Compassion's been around over 70 years. And so right now what I wanted to do is speak to me in the seat, a skeptic. I was a skeptic. I didn't think these kids were real. I thought it was a stock photo. I'd heard horror stories about child sponsorship ministries. There's so many of them now. I had no idea at the time, and this is going to sound very, you know, boastful about compassion. Forgive me for that, but it really is what you've heard. Um, they were all really trying to mimic what Compassion has been doing over these 70 years. The problem is they still want to turn it into a feeding ministry or a clothing ministry or just pay for schools and all that. What Compassion has learned is that poverty is not just physical. There is a physical side to poverty. But as you heard Owen say, we think it begins spiritually. Even here in Mecklenburg County. Places that have been poverty-stricken for generations are still poverty-stricken. Mm -hmm. And churches and well-meaning individuals have thrown money at it, and it's not working. It's because you actually have to get poverty out of the person before you can get the person out of poverty. Mm -hmm. That's the issue. It's way more. It's holistic in nature. There's a hopelessness, an emotional side to poverty that has to be addressed. And, of course, you mentioned it. Public school is not free. So imagine you're a sixth-generation poverty-stricken kid, and no one for over 100 years in that family has ever been able to read or write. Well, they need to get a job. Well, how, they can't read and write because they can't afford the school tuition and the uniform and all that. So compassion takes all that into consideration, and the $43 a month pays the school tuition. Mm -hmm. It purchases their school uniform. It provides safe transportation to school if it's needed. You'd be shocked at what happens to kids alone trying to get to school. So we provide safe transportation for them. They also, all of this is done in a church. I love your focus when you're talking about the geography and the church and the developing the whole person. Those three things are exactly what we do. It's exactly what compassion is. So what we have learned is that all of this needs to be done in a local church. Not through them. We're not using them. It's, we're propping up the local church when we're doing this. So all this work is done there. So we're not a church. I mean, we're not a school. Everybody thinks compassion is a school. It's a church. 
So after school, they will come to the church for some high-capacity tutoring to get the kids caught up in school, right? Here's another thing we've learned. You rarely reach someone with the gospel after a certain age. Have you noticed that? It's very rare for old people like me that have been living in sin their entire life to become a Christian. We see it happen from time to time, but it's just not common. So that's why we've learned you've got to focus on the child. If you can reach the child, then what will happen is you develop then, and, and when they grow up, they'll change their surroundings. That's why we do child development before community development, but we do both. Are you following me so far? All right. So now, how about medical care? You heard what Owen said. And kids living in extreme poverty in all four of your focus countries, in Uganda, in Kenya, in Rwanda, and the Dominican Republic, these kids have never been to the doctor till they come into the Compassion Program. One of the, the, the speakers from the DR talks about how he never slept in a bed until he was seven years old when he came into the program. And when Compassion found out he had a brother, instead of buying him a bed, they bought a bunk bed, which just blew their minds. A bunk bed does blow your mind a little bit, but they both got to sleep in a bed, and he was the one that was sponsored. So the point is, it helps the entire family. We do feed them a couple of meals a week. We do give them medical attention. The great thing is they're getting the, the care and the love of a church staff and the compassion staff that they've never gotten before. Every child, when they turn 13, this is for my skeptics in the room, when they turn 13, all across the world, they go into a plan called My Plan for Tomorrow, and we start getting them ready to graduate from the program. Mm. When they finish high school, you quit sponsoring them, and they're released in the world. The end result is a biblically self-sufficient, transformed adult that more times than not is a Christ follower, almost always, almost always, more times than not does exactly what Owen did, and they're out of poverty, and they get their family out of poverty. I've never seen anything work like this. And the cool thing, if you, if you go, I can't remember all the stuff he said. It's on the back of the top part of your, of your child packet when you get a child packet. Okay. But anyway, yeah. No, that's great, Scott. So you mentioned the packet. So obviously we've got two tables in here. We've got tables in the main foyer and the east foyer over here. So just walk us through last minute here. Just if we come to a table, what, what, to, to, what to expect. Okay, sure. And then I think yeah. we have a slide as well for those watching online. You're watching online today, um, or you're here, and for some reason you can't go to a table. I think we've got a slide here as well. If you want to talk yeah, about that, you can just you can just text the letters NCC for New City Church to eight three three nine three. Now, you know how us old people text in all caps and scream at everybody. You can you can text in all caps if you want to, or you can you don't have to. It's not case sensitive, right? So scream if you want to. That's okay. Um, but those watching online, you are part of our church family. And we want you to be a part of this movement. I was a pastor for 13 years. I used to have people tell me all the time, Pastor, I want to be something, be a part of something that's bigger than me. I want to I leave a legacy. I want to do, and we would give them things that we were doing that they could get involved in. And I'm not kidding. This is what we would get. What else you got? I don't want to do that. What else you got? And I'm just, it crushes my heart to hear that. So my challenge is this, before I tell you how to do this, that today mm. you will choose to live a little more simply so a whole family can just simply live. 
But people ask me all the time, what's your favorite part of this? I love rescuing kids. Love it. I come from American poverty. I love that. My favorite part is how when you do this, it rescues you. And one of our pastors in Jacksonville says, I love to take, I'll just use just this city for an example. I love to take the wealthy people of New City Church that don't even know they're wealthy. Introduce them to the poverty-stricken kids in these three African countries in the DR that really, when you meet them, don't even really realize anymore that they're poverty-stricken. There's a hope that they have now. So I take people that are rich and don't know it and introduce them to people that are poor and don't know it, and they meet each other's needs. That's what this is. So it looks pretty simple. It's a card in three sections. The top section shows you a picture of your child and, and uh, the name they go by. And on the back, you can see, again, a refresher on what the $43 a month covers. But it covers more. So if this gentleman, if you sponsored a kid and your kid actually had a special need, it will cover the wheelchair. It'll cover building the wheelchair ramp. You're partnering in the DR. In the DR, where they have a lot of tropical storms and hurricanes like we do here in North Carolina and Florida, if you have that come through and they lose their home, Compassion rebuilds their home for them. It covers way more. That's my point, right? Um, so it covers way more than that. But all we need you to do is tear off the bottom piece. You keep the top two sections. The middle section tells you more about your child and their family, and on the back, more about their community, right? We usually do one child per household. So if your child's one and they've got three other kids in the home, your sponsorship's going to affect the entire family. Ask Owen if you don't believe me, Mm -hmm. right? So if you want to do four or five kids, and many of you will, and you can. They did in first worship. Um, We just ask that you tear off the bottom pieces. Please don't leave with the packet till you tear off the bottom piece and turn it in. But you tear off the bottom pieces and just complete one on the front and the back. You can leave the other ones blank. We'll staple the blank ones to the completed ones. Does that make sense, mm-hmm. right? And some of you in the room may be like me. You may be a grandparent. We had this happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Dude, what a strong church this is. Man. But we had a grandparents sponsoring kids per grandchild. Like they had four grandchildren, so they sponsored four kids. They're going to pay for it. They're going to let their grandchildren actually be the sponsor that grows up writing to the kids. And they said, I'm just going to let my kids know. When we go to heaven, I want this to continue till this child graduates from the program, and I want to teach that spirit of generosity to my grandchildren. I think that's awesome. So the point is, you're not too old, you're not too young, that kind of thing. But we won't ask you to fill out, you know, 36 cards if you do that. Um, At at a church in Concord, not too long ago, I had a, a NASCAR driver do 20 kids. He said, do I have to fill out 20 cards? And we said, no, just one. We'll staple the other 19 to it, and you're good to go. The point is... It's tax deductible. You can let a business check pay for it if you want to. You can use your business credit card. However you want to pay for it, we can do that. That's the point. And then you can also text a sponsor. But look, for those of you that are over the age of 40, can the young people tell us what this thing is, right? (laughs) It's a QR code. I am shocked at how many people use the QR code now to the point that I've just started using it for everything. I do. I've I've noticed you use it here at church too. You can use the QR code. Um, if you do that, just grab the packets of the kids that you want to sponsor. Just go have a seat. Hit the QR code. You can complete everything. When you get finished, you still tear off the bottom piece. But all we got to do on there is just write used QR code, mm. right? And then we'll send it in for you. But please make sure you finish that. And then the last thing. Um, um, 
and, and this was one of the ones that I had in first worship. They said, what if I don't have my credit card with me today and I want to pay it with a credit card? You can write a check. You can, there's all kinds of ways. We'll be up front and we can, we can answer the questions that you may have on that. But please don't leave with the packet until you fill out the back piece. And the several people in this room are already rescuing a child from poverty with compassion. You can tear off the, the piece as well, write your name on the front and on the back, just say add to existing account. Are your head swimming? Yeah, so we'll be here if you've got any questions, and I just can't wait to see you, you guys respond. Awesome. Can you guys thank Scott and Owen for being here Amen. again? Yes, bless you. Yeah. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray for Amen. you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for, for Owen and for Scott and for Compassion. If you join me in praying for them, and then um, I'll give a benediction, and then we'll have the tables open here at front, in the front and the main foyer and the east foyer. And we have lots of volunteers ready to help answer questions and help you to sponsor a kid. Look, look guys, you know, here, here's the principle. You know, we, we, you can't, your individual family probably can't rescue every kid on the planet, right? We know that. But, but do for one or do for some what you wish you could do for everyone. Do, do for one or do for some what you wish you could do for everyone. And, you know, here's one sitting right here with us and the did, difference that can make we, in the did kingdom. Did the goal? Yeah, the goal is we want to have 200 kids rescued from poverty today. So that's, that's our challenge here at South Park and Matthews together. So we'll, we'll report out on that. But I, just want, I don't want you to do anything that God isn't asking you to do. But when we think about as a church, how do we help people find and follow Jesus here, near and far? Our partnership with Compassion and today is a big part of that. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the work of Compassion, for the work of the kingdom of God, for the work of helping people to know you, Jesus, and, and follow after you. Thank you for Owen's story today. What a blessing to hear his story. Thank you for the ways that he is living out the gospel uh, in his family, and his life, and now sponsoring other children. What a beautiful thing. And we just bless the work of compassion today and ask that you would give us today, New City Church, you would give us the wisdom to know what you're asking us to do, collectively and individually. Just help us right now to know what are you asking us to do, and would you give us the faith and the courage to take a step and obey you in that. In Jesus' name, amen.